Hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. How are you? Good. You? Good. Doing good. <clears throat> That's great, man. Are, are we uh, live right now? Are we 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 going? No, we're recording. Uh, we'll post okay. it later yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty new to Zoom, so I'm not totally familiar with the the format of it. So as long as you can hear me okay and see me all right, I guess we're good. Yeah, it's the easiest one to use. They're forcing all the teachers and everybody else to use it. So cool. Yeah, cool. Should be pretty good. Excellent. Well, first of all, it's nice to meet you guys. I've been following your uh, your your podcast for actually most. I went back and watched most of it. But the first one I saw was was Joy Brown's because she had posted it on her Instagram, and she's such a neat lady. I've yeah. you know known known her through Instagram and bought a couple of her books from her and stuff. And very 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 neat gal. And then I discovered I, she posted she's going to be a guest on your show and. I'm like, um, watch that one. I went back, watched a few other episodes and realized you guys are from Vancouver, Washington, just over the bridge. So that's pretty awesome. Not too far at all. Yeah. Excellent. So where do you guys want to start with? <laughs> I was just mentioned from Vancouver, Washington. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the grip history in the Northwest. We started doing grip just, uh, ourselves a long while back, but had nothing to do with grip sport. Um, like I got the Captains of Crush Grippers, I think in, oh, like 98, 99, the first set I got were single stamped. Um, I sold them when I was in college when they were collectible and uh, I've just kind of followed the scene since, but I've never followed Grip Sport here. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Grip Sport, even though the term Grip Sport didn't exist, and you mentioned 1999, that's interesting because about 2000 is when I started, I went from powerlifting and we kind of started getting into some strongman training a little bit me and a couple of my workout partners and my ex-wife um and while we're doing that strongman training the you know we'd read iron milo you know the book milo from iron my magazine and uh they talk about the grippers a lot and everything and so we're like what are these grippers so we ordered some up i actually had had a pair from years years before like from the 80s and they're the silver crush you remember the oh, silver wow, yeah. crush? Mm -hmm. and there's there's i've got a couple of these are the two the, Silver Crush, which you can't even hardly get. You can't get anymore unless you find someone that's getting rid of them. Yeah, they're highly collectible now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, didn't even realize that till like a couple of years ago. I'm like, wow, these things I have, I mean, are they collectible? Um, anyway, in 2000 is when we started playing with the grippers. And, and I know that because for fun, because, you know, Iron Mind had their list of the Captains of Crush. If you close the number three, you you made their list, right? Well, I, saw, I thought, well, how cool is that? Um, but around here, really, no one's closing the three. So I want to start a list to motivate people to get involved with with using the grippers because I'd hand them to my buddies and they wouldn't be able to do it and everything. And, and so I thought, well, let's. I'm going to create. At that time, my my wife had a website of her own, and um, we're like, you know, let's create a list on the website of the people that can close just here in the Northwest that can close the number two. Let's start with that. So I started getting the list, and the first. I had to get some of my old paperwork, but the first guy that we documented were officially closing it in front of, you know, people watching and all that was in April 4th of, of 2000. 
And then the list kind of started growing from there because people said, oh, we can get on a list, you know, and, and we started bringing our grippers wherever we went, we'd bring them, you know, let people try them out, whether it be in the gym or, or we'd see a bigger guy, at, you know, at, at the store, we'd approach it. Hey, man, you look pretty like you play ball or something. You want to try these grippers. So it really kind of started catching on. If I only got, if I only had some, uh, a percentage of the sales from Iron Mine that, from, that we received just from Oregon alone, you know, during that phase. So, um, and I still kind of keep track actually, you know, it's kind of died down because I haven't really talked about it much around, uh, you know, with my buddies and stuff. We don't train together anymore. So when I'm at the gym, I just don't necessarily talk about it. People will see me working with mine and then want to try it. And, and I tell them, then I go on to tell them about a list. We don't have a website now and I'm actually going to start on my website now. I'm going to repost this list and I think that'll help because people get excited when they want to see their name somewhere, you know. So the, the last person I had close the number two was in one of this year, January of this year. So it's pretty cool. For the first time he ever tried it, he closed it. And then it was around Christmas time. He came out with, he asked for a two and a half, 2.5 for Christmas and received one and came like within this close of closing. He's just a 175 pound kid at the gym. It's amazing. So he's, he's got a future with that. Yeah. But then I also started um, keeping tabs of the people that are in the Northwest that could close the number three. And today, you know, and when I say close the number three, this is kind of, one reason I really started continuing with this list was because when Iron Mind went to their um, credit card style close, I'm not a fan of that at all. I'm just a guy with average size hands. And I really think it was unfair that they did that. Um, and then they started disallowing some lifts or some closes that were done legitimately. And on the list at one time, Randall Strassen started picking and choosing who was going to stay on the list. And if you date, it, rather than put an asterisk there that, hey, these guys do it with a, with a, with a credit card, these other guys didn't, that didn't don't have an asterisk. No, he wiped some out that I personally um, witnessed and, and, and sent to him and ended up in, in Milo, the book Milo that he put out every few months. And then he uh, took out some of those names, but yet kept some too. So to me, it just became so unfair. I'm like, you know what? Forget this credit card. So I, I just want to keep it fun. So I kept my list going and there's in the Northwest and that includes Washington, Oregon, Idaho. Um, we've had 11 guys officially close it. And, and most of them are in Milo haven't officially closed it, but then we've had a few that, you know, weren't credit card done. So I'm like, I don't care. You're going to still make the list um, that I put together and have kept going. Yeah. Was so, your list a parallel set? Yeah, we just do that where, where we allow people to, you know, just because there wasn't a whole lot of rules in the old day, the yeah. old days. It was just really basic. So we just go kind of with what Iron Mind originally had for their rules, you know, and, and if you have a smaller hand or, or an average size hand, you know, we, you're allowed to kind of get in there and get it ready and then hold it and then close it and then show the people that may be judging. I, there was always me, there's a guy named Mark Wechter. Um, he was a middleweight strongman competitor and still puts on grip contests actually. Dustin McFarland, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's out of, I, I want to say Medfordish area in Oregon. There's, so there's a couple guys that 
just so we don't have buddies, you know, with their gym partners close them. Oh yeah. Hey, we closed it. You know, we have a set that we tend to bring around and Hey, you got to close this particular set or, or a brand new one out of the package or something like that. We try to, we do try to stick with that, but we want official people to be able to witness the close before I do put on my list. So I do require that, but, um, there's some pretty, pretty amazing names. I mean, I don't know how much you guys, if I'm talking too much, just let me know. Cause you'll, if you got me. Oh, this got is me. great, man. Okay. So the first person in the Northwest. Yeah, I can close the two. So yeah, we know. can close the number two. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. We'll get uh, you guys on the list. Like I said, I'm going to, I've kind of gotten re-enthused a little bit. Yeah. Um, Cause I'd lost a lot of interest in grip for a while because of, because of too many rules becoming into the sport, we can go into that a, and a little bit later in this talk, but I'll stick with the gripper stuff right now. Um, Jesse Morande, have you heard of Jesse Morande? Yes, absolutely. Awesome, yeah. He, uh, I have some notes here that I might have to keep referring to. In 2005, he placed second in the World's Strongest Man Contest yep. against Mario's Pujanowski, actually. He was one of the youngest ones to close the three, wasn't he? Yeah. Eight first eight first teenager ever to close him, and he was uh, got a neat story about him. But that guy was just an amazing athlete, man, grip wise all around. Um, yeah, he was the first teenager to, and he's still in, you know, on Iron Mind site to close the. And he's out of Sequim, Washington. I'm not sure if you guys knew that. So he's a Northwest guy. So that was always so cool. Just a neat guy, man. And again, close the number three at age 18. Um, one of the neat things, one of the, as far as grip strength feats here in the Northwest, it was such a, because I'd always, I'd always heard these rumors of Jesse Morundi being able to close a number three in each hand, right? At the same time. Yeah. And um, one time I saw him at a strongman contest. I have the, uh, it's around two, yeah, yeah, 2002. I I'll have to keep referring to my notes here because I had to refresh my memory. But yeah, 2002, saw him at a strongman contest in Salem, Oregon over here. And he was, he wasn't competing. I think he was just walking around and, and I knew he was going to be there. So I brought my number three and I know he always carries a number three and he always carried it kind of in his, in his um, pocket, like half of it hanging out, like a, almost like a gun belt and he'd get it out and he'd whip it around his fingers and bam, you know, and I, I went up to him and I said, Hey Jesse, cause I kind of knew him. I said, Hey Jesse, uh, there's, I hear there's these rumors that you can close a number three in each hand. Do you can, if you can do it, um, will you hold it and I can take a picture of it? He goes, if I can do it, he goes, what do you mean? You give me, you got, you got your number three. I'm like, yeah. He's like, he grabs his number three, grabs, you know, I hand him mine, no warm up, anything, just random out of the book. He just goes, boom, closes them and is sitting there. I, I've got a picture of it to this day, but he's closing a pair of number threes, no warm up or anything. And it was just bam. And he's holding, my jaw drops open because it, it happened so fast. I wasn't expecting, I had the camera on me just, you know, but it happens so fast. And so he, he's holding it this whole time. So I get the picture and I, I have it. I can send it to you guys if you want to see it. Um, yeah, to me, that was just freaking amazing. Um, and the things he would do, he, he well, might as well stick with Jesse for a second here as long as we're talking about him. But um, one of the things he did was there's a strongman contest in, in Idaho and he was down there and, and he did a, axle press, not double overhand, but, you know, just regular deadlift style, no straps or anything, 645 deadlift on an axle, um, axle bar, a Pollen's axle. So the guy really was an, an amazing athlete. It wasn't so great at the Rolling Thunder, because I, we can go into that when you're ready to talk about the first grip contest ever done in the Northwest, and I 
whenever you're ready, we can. Oh, sure. Oh, anytime, go man. ahead. Go for it. Okay. I feel like I'm talking too much. If you guys oh, have, oh, we have plenty of time. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how grip, as you can say, grip sport, but how a first grip contest ever began here in the Northwest um, happened in Oregon. And my ex-wife was a really good, strong, strong woman, competitor. Um, and at that time, she was invited to go compete at Ode Haugen's Beauty and Beast contest, which is a strongman contest that he held in Hawaii. Um, and it start, I think his Beauty and Beast contest started in, I want to say, like 99-ish. I mean, and the people you would see on World's Strongest Man were at that contest. It just wasn't being filmed for, you know, on ESPN and shown. It was, but it was all the guys, you know. Um, we, in 2000, in the year 2000, Ode Haugen's started having a Rolling Thunder World Championships. And since there wasn't like other Rolling Thunder contests to qualify for this, you had to be able to lift 200, a little over 200 pounds on the Rolling Thunder just to qualify to be in the actual contest. And so it was all the guys. I mean, the year, I, so that was in 2000, first ever Rolling Thunder World Championship. So in 2001 is when my ex-wife and I went over there. Um, she was competing, because that was the first year that he had a women's division in the strongman part of that contest. So we went over there and I mean, guys like, um, uh, Yanni Vertinen, who was the current World Strongest Man at that time, he won in, two th in the year 2000. Um, Sven Carlson was there. Uh, um, Magnus Vermagnuson was there. Um, I mean, just the, the list was pretty endless of the top. Phil Fister, um, all those guys at that time were there. Um, except for Yoko Hola, I always wanted to meet him, and he, he but Yanni Vernon. Yeah, he was amazing for 275, yeah. what he could do, wow. Oh, man, I know. And he's still the smallest to win it, isn't he? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. that that body weight, yeah, and win it twice, nonetheless, so pretty amazing. Five years or so, yeah. Yeah, but we went over there, and so they're, they're the weigh-ins were the night before the actual contest began. So, and it was at a restaurant. And um, so we're over there, we're all eating our hamburgers, whatever. And, and on stage is where they'd come up and kind of make a thing of it where they'd have the athletes weigh in and announce their weight, you know, to, to the audience there. And the audience is really just the competitors and the, and the families and stuff. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. And as they were doing the weigh-ins right after that, since we're all sitting around the evening, they've got everybody gathered, Ode Haugen began with the, had his, that's where he would have his world championships, Rolling Thunder World Championships. So I'm, I'm watching that in 2001. I'm like, this is freaking cool, man. You can just sit here and, and anyway, guys were sitting there eating, drinking their beers, and then they'd walk up when the, the bar, you know, the apparatus got to their weight that they wanted to try. And then, the you know, it was one of those things where you, you could have his, I think he did it where you could have as many tries as you want, like and then meets golf, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and once you're Great you deal. failed, you're done. That's you're out. So it's a kind of an elimination process. At least at that time, it was. And I thought, what a great concept here, man. Um, just sitting around eating at a restaurant and go up and have this strength event going on. So that was 2001. So in 2000, so we came home, and I that was I think in June of 2001. So by 
August of 2001, I'm having my first Northwest Rolling Thunder Championships at my buddy who owned a pizza parlor. We had it there. Dude, it was a big turnout, too. It was like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. And um, it really got people going on that. And we've had it consistently, except the last year I had it, I had written down here. The last year we had it, oh, right. 20, uh, December 2017 was the last year we had it. And because I turned it, actually, it was doing so well, we turned it into fundraisers. Um, Wow, and so it was cool. a it was a fundraiser it was for an animal shelter and around Christmas time when the dogs needed blankets and everything. So we raised money for that. Um, and again, December of 2017. And that's not that I wouldn't have any, I, it. While I was doing some research for this show, I got to thinking, wow, this is the 20th anniversary of, of the first ever Rolling Thunder contest here in the Northwest. And so I kind of now I'm wanting to do something, bring it back, you know, this year. Yeah, we definitely. Uh, that would be awesome. We'd be there for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, guys that would be there too. Yeah. It'd be great, great if we uh, had you. Guys. I, I, I don't know what direction you want to go, but I, uh, there, I started doing a lot of different grip contests, and I kind of tie them in with strongman contests. Mm -hmm. And um, the, but the last one I did, and you guys might get a kick out of this. It, it's unfortunate because again, what kind of took me away from it a little bit that of putting on. Uh, contests and stuff grip contests because going back to the 2001 thing there was there was such basic rules in it i mean there was a rolling thunder you order from iron mine and 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 that's the one you went with and there was you know no one you know it was like four or five rules you followed you know to, and, and it was the i follow the exact same rules old haugen did for the world championships so i wasn't like creating some you know special rules that made it easier or anything like that it was all legit and um but then as the years progressed, you know, it became where Iron Mind put out their newer version of the Rolling Thunder. And then now people were dis discrediting people. Oh, the old Rolling Thunder. Well, that was that, that was a little easier than the new Rolling Thunder. And it, it started becoming too much of that. And then more rules started coming. And then the credit card rule with the with the, the um, with the grippers. And I'm just like, this is this is ridiculous because now it's just not so much arguing on the message board and stuff. So what once was a really fun thing and still could be, um, if you, especially if you stay off message boards. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's it's what was a really fun thing suddenly was becoming not so fun. And so I, I needed to step away from it for a while. And and my friend, Mark Wechter, who's who's very well known in the world of strongman, um, I, don't, I don't think there's been a middleweight that's beat him in a strongman contest. And he, he's Highland Games a whole bit. He kind of says the same thing because he started back. He was my training partner back in the day in, in the 2000s. And yeah, he, he kind of agrees. And he's always willing to put on a grip contest. And, and um, he's always trying to get me to, because we do well when we work together on them. And it's, yeah, but it's just kind of disheartening when a lot of your efforts um, get kind of complained about. And then I started doing, I'll just say this and then let you guys take over. But, but the last grip contest I did, um, because I started trying to get creative with stuff and it was April of 20, 2018 because um, I, it was awesome because that crowd was huge. I had a built-in crowd. Um, every year that in April is the kickoff for Rose Festival over here in, in Oregon. Yeah. And, and there's at East, a place called East Park Plaza, um, which is like a little shopping area and everything. Big park, huge parking lot. There'd be the the a parade down 82nd Avenue. It's the 82nd Avenue of Roses Parade. So all the city officials were here. Some celebrities were, you know, local celebrities and stuff would be here. Um, 
we'd have our, our annual car show. And so all the, all the cars would be there. And I have a, my family and I have a car club. It's called Cinema Classics Car Club. And it's nothing but movie and TV themed car cars. Yeah. And um, so this particular year, I thought, you know, here's an idea for a grip contest. So I needed to tie it in car related because there's a fair going on, rides for kids. I mean, the audience, it's just huge. I'm like, I need to tie it in with cars, though, since we're it's with our car show. So I had one of the, I'm sure you see them, the de car deadlift apparatuses. Yeah. Okay, so I had that adjusted to where it was a little bit easier to pick up so it wasn't at the hardest because you could raise it way, you know, okay. Um, and I had the, my buddy of mine owns the Yanko Camaro from Too Fast, Too Furious, that movie. So we put that on there and had people come and, and lift it and hold it for time. So it was a grip, ex, you know, contest with car related. And I, I tell people, what great greater thing could you have to take, get a picture of, even if you hold it for five seconds, what a great picture you can show your friends, you know. Everybody was too scared to lift it because, you know, what if they couldn't lift it and they make, make a fool out of themselves in front of this big crowd? And I'm like, no. You. So it was so hard for me to talk anyone into doing it. And the ones that did, I loved it. But um, I had put a lot of money into that contest because the trophy was taller than the car. I can send you guys a picture of that too. Um, but it's it was a bit disheartening. I just felt like it was starting to decline a little bit when at the beginning in the middle when I was doing it, it was it was growing so fast and so well. And that's why I think it's so cool what you guys have going because you kind of inspired me to to repost a lot of the, the grip stuff that I've that I had, you know, the sort of kept tally of, you know, with the closures of the grippers and you know, rolling thunder contests and stuff like that. So I, I thank you guys for getting this going with the podcast and, and um, talking about grip. Because other than Jed Johnson, I don't really know anyone else that that's doing that does like what you guys do, you know. Yeah, we needed. We felt there was a need to get people uh, involved in something that they could do at home during the quarantine. And grip is, I mean, it's perfect, perfect for that. You know, it is. It really is. You started so. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. We do a lot of uh, DIYs too, so you could get into the grip support for cheap. Because I know with Iron Mine and a couple other companies, it's just so expensive to get. Some of these apparatus and where like, you build the same thing for like five ten bucks right yeah, especially, especially if you're creative like you guys I... yeah, so. <laughs> I to, uh, throw that out there too and show people hey you don't need a bunch of space you don't need a bunch of money but start doing something and uh, we're actually looking at putting on our own uh first annual uh grip contest slash uh couch potato event come awesome. up so we're excited to are you guys going to do it this year Yep, we're doing it. Yeah, this year in July we're open. Oh, there you go. Well, we should tie the a freaking rolling thunder rolling thunder contest in with it because, like I said, it's the 20th anniversary for things. We make a pretty big deal out of it. Absolutely, we have. We were gonna have rolling thunder in it anyway. So. Oh, dude, let's let's do it. Let's we got to do it. We'll, we'll talk, you know, another time on it. But yeah, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, we got another big uh, big guy in grip that's done a lot of contests that would be helping out with it as well, getting it set up. So yeah, that'd be great. Um, Mike Wilfong, he won uh, third at the Sasquatch Squeeze. Or okay, oh, yeah. So, on a on a different might have been the last program you guys did. Um, you mentioned Oregon Strongest Hands. You guys are training for or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now is Michael still hosting that? Yes, he is. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Michael was. He came on board and and helped us out with that. Rolling Thunder contest in December of 2017 that that I me and Mark it was me Mark Wechter and Michael that hosted it kind of together 
for fun to, to help raise money. We figured if we all kind of came together, it would raise money, more money. Sure, for, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So cool. When, when's his content? I don't see it advertised or anything. Is we, it? We just talked about it. We're just finalizing a date. Oh. His contest for Oregon. Oh, Oregon is yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. April. Yeah, first weekend of April. I think it's April 3rd. Okay. Saturday, yeah. But go back to what you're saying about your contest. I'm interested in that. Yeah, we're just getting it uh, all finalized the date. And we're actually going to get it sanctioned and everything. So we're going to oh. fill out the sanctioning fees and we're going to try to host it here. And it's going to be so we get up on armwrestling.com and everything. So we can make it official and nice. get on the leaderboards and everything. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, before we get off topic on the on the grippers, I just want to say that my ex-wife, she was the first first gal in the Northwest and actually second in the world to close the number two captain as a crush gripper. Um, and it's funny, and it, going back to the Iron Mine, Randall Strawson thing, um, she's featured in, in Milo for doing that. And back when she did it, 2003, I think it was. And um, you'll notice, and there wasn't a women's list back then. And and you'll notice that there is now with like three women or a handful of women on it. Um, and it, we wrote to Randall, because we've got, a, she was featured in Milo for doing that. And, and I've got a letter from Randall Strawson himself congratulating her, saying how great of a feat it is, stating the fact that she was the second woman in the world to do it officially and all, and all that. And he when we wrote him and said hey we sh she should be on the list you know you're you're uh you started this list in 2011 or whenever it was he started i said julie should be on it you know and he he just he wouldn't put her on it so that really kind of soured me too um yeah i mean i don't know if he's making the gals do it with a credit card now but he could have did the asterisk thing you know and put the date and people would have known even with his list in the number four, nobody's credit card closed to number four that I know of. I mean, everybody on the list beforehand did it all before the credit card closed even started. Exactly, and, and I and I love Jesse Monday. I'm a fan of his. Plus, I was a friend, and um, he's on the he's on that he's still on there for 1998s when he did it. And he's still on the list, which he should be. But you know, it's yeah, it's like that's what I mean when I say Randall Strawson kind of picked and chose who he wanted to remain on the list and who he didn't. Um, I certified John Anderson, who's the str a strongman competitor and was and bodybuilder dude and, and all that. And he uh, he's still on the list with this other guy, Morgan Gunther, Guthner, who was the first guy in Oregon to officially close the number three, was on this list and he got taken off. Wow. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't understand. I, I don't want to go too negative on stuff on that. But that's kind of why I want to keep it going on my end as far as Northwest. I just love you know, the Northwest, and I want to feature those, the people that I live around, you know, so I'm okay. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool now. I mean, Iron Mind's still the top player, of course, and probably will be for a long time, but there are a lot of other players in group now that weren't around back then, and yeah. it's neat. There's a lot of other certifications, a lot of their lists, you know, there's the Mash Monster list, of course, and, you know, that's pretty cool, so. Do the G does Gillingham's, because we, we, when my ex was competing in Strong Woman, we knew Carl Gillingham pretty well. Are the Gillinghams, did their GHPs, do they have a list at all? Yeah, as far as I know, they do. Oh, really? Wow. I have to try to find that. Yeah, I haven't got my hands on those grippers yet, but I've heard they're pretty sweet. I do like them. I yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, I have a couple different ones of them, and, and I like them. 
So um, getting a little off grip, tell us why neck training and trap training is so important to you. Neck training. Well, I, I competed in powerlifting for 14 years, and it was from 19. I'm I'm much older than you you guys, <laughs> but it was from 1981 to 1995 was my competitive powerlifting years, and um, back then, you know, there, I don't know how much you follow powerlifting these days, but they've got the a lot of gear, the heavy like triple ply bench shirts and stuff yeah. like that, right? I didn't do any of that. I was, you know, just a t-shirt, and then I, right at the last couple of years of my my last three contests, bench press contests, um, I did the $36 insert, so blast shirts, like a one-ply, just, I mean, people laugh at it to this day. It's not, not much more than a tight t-shirt. Um, but so back then, we had to figure out all our body mechanics and develop power throughout our whole body in order to get a big bench press, for instance. We didn't, we couldn't rely on the shirts and, and stuff like that to do all our power for. So I always knew... I always I started working neck to develop the strength back here because back then the rule was you had to leave because there's only a couple of federations back then too you had to have your head on the bench press nowadays with the shirts it lifts your head and it's allowed and and everything else but back then you had to have your head on the bench so I knew that if, if you could just generate even a few pounds of power that would be part of your your drive out of the bottom you know out of, off your chest on the bench so I started working my neck for that and then Fortunately, I came across a guy who had a really awesome neck harness, and, it's, and oh, I should have had it here to show you guys. Um, but it's a neck harness, believe it or not, made by Warren. Was made by Warren Tedding. Um, he he didn't make very many. Who you know went on to make grippers and actually made the grippers originally for Iron Mine. And um, he, this neck harness is like no other. And I, we, I actually bought it in a shop in Minnesota in the eighties as a friend of mine had one. I'm just like, I gotta have that. So he was a guy who had a big neck, professional wrestler and, and um, showed me and I had a bodybuilder before that and showed, showed me, I worked out with him as a, as a workout partner. And so we would always do our neck. So it kind of, and plus I was such a small kid, you know, I hated, I had a small neck and, and as same height I am now, just under 5'10", 130 pounds at 16 years old. I'm like, man, I need, I want my neck bigger, you know, so I started training neck. Um, but then, you know, it's, as time goes on, you realize it's, it's good for m many other things. Um, uh, uh, per, most I've been in so many arguments with personal trainers that say, oh, you got to be careful working your neck. And, and it's, you know, it's like, well, geez, don't you have to be careful working everything? You know, you, you, the, the things I believe in, I remember emailing you guys, and the things I believe that should be trained the most in the gym for the outside world is, and you had a one to add on to that, but it, for me, it was neck, grip, core, cardio, and then the mental part of, of lifting. And, and that helps you in the outside world too. And you mentioned feet. So I, that's something I admit I'd never even thought of before. So. Yeah. I mean, you walk on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's interesting. I, I, I will have to do yeah, some research. Go back to history and like battles have been won over people having shoes or not, you know? Wow. Yeah. No kidding. That's, that to me was interesting when you said that because yeah, talk about head to toe as far as, as all the key points of of uh, lifting. But then I, I also did professional wrestling, so I always wanted the neck protected then too. And obviously by working your I neck, fans of pro wrestling, we were actually going to ask you a little bit about that. Oh sure, yeah. I, unfortunately, because it's such an age difference here, you might not know some of the names that I know. But 
but um, but I do know quite a bit about the, uh, the business. We knew um, it was a Rowdy Piper that worked uh, up here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The buddy that did his uh, air conditioning, so we got to meet him. That was neat. Okay. Well, do you, do you guys know who Billy Jack Haynes is then? No, I don't think so. Okay. He wrestled. He actually sold out the Memorial Coliseum wrestling. Wrestling Ric Flair. He was one yeah. of the big big names in, in Portland wrestling and and um, wrestled all Piper and all those guys too. So anyway, I know I know him really well and, and um, some other guys. But going back to the wrestling, for, as far as the neck, yeah, I just knew that, like, when you go into wrestling training, professional wrestling training, same with the amateur wrestling, your neck gets worked so much. I mean, one, one of the things that gets the most sore in training, because you're learning to take a bump, is is your neck, your front of your neck. It's, uh, the most sore my neck has ever been was from, the, you know, the beginning stages of wrestling training until you get get, uh, get used to it. Um but it, you need that to protect your head. Um, like, obviously, working your neck all you want isn't going to protect you to, with a head-to-head -head collision. But anything else, um, as far as, you know, whip concussion via whiplash, your, your neck is going to protect you. And um, I always, always try to encourage women to work their neck, which is virtually impossible. Um, I always at least have them work some shrugs to kind of get up in the back of their neck area and then just maybe lay down and do some light stuff just to get them familiar because they're so afraid of building a bigger neck. But the unfortunate part about women not working their necks is, you know, neck injuries are the second most common thing in a car accident. Um, that's just, I should say that's the second most common thing a chiropractor sees somebody for is a neck injury, the first being a back injury. And, and it tends to be a high percentage of women that go in with their necks hurting and, and, you know, from an injury, from falling down and stuff like that. And um, here's kind of, we'll put it into perspective. The human head on average, male and female, weighs 11 pounds. Um, that's including, you know, the, the brain's like three pounds, uh, your facial features, you know, the muscles in your face, you know, your eyeballs and all that gets all factored in there, teeth and everything. But so everything together on average weighs 11 pounds, both male and female. Well, the, the difference in neck size is, is um, the average male neck is 15 inches and the average woman has a 13 and a half inch neck. So you're talking about the same weight of, of, is on this neck on a woman that's an inch and a half, whatever, on average, smaller than a man. So there's, there's heads are going to whip around a lot more even than a, than a man's. So for them not to work their neck and for a personal yeah. Yeah. weight too, and the long hair weight too, in addition to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because the more you lean forward, the heavier, the more pounds per square inch your, your head gets, you know, um, depending on how you put your head as far as what the, the strain it puts on your neck. And so for women not to work it, to me, is it's just, it's, I don't get it. And like I said, personal trainers would, even even older people, well, what would you do um, for an, an old lady, let's say, in, in her 80s? What, what should she do? Well, you know, get some mobility in your neck, stretch, and just having more mobility um, it would help in, if you fall down. And who are who's most apt to fall down? Older folks, you know? Um, so, I don't know, working, working the neck to me is, is 
very important. It's just not, unless you're a, a, an amateur wrestler or, or a MMA guy, and now you're hearing about a lot more boxing. Mike Tyson was notorious for working his neck, but a boxer. Yeah. So um, unless you're in those sports, you're really not hearing much about people working their necks, you know? Not only that, but I, when you talk about car accidents and neck injuries, not only that, but you get the dramatic brain injuries from uh, getting concussions in the whiplash too because yeah. they don't have many neck muscles to actually support their head from whipping around and actually getting a concussion that way too, which can cause some severe issues later on. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, people always think that, oh, you have to bash your head on something, which, yeah, of course you're going to get – potentially get a concussion but man there's whiplashes is is, yeah. is, is uh, really high for giving people concussions you know and and, and you, when you think of a sport with concussions of course you think football but you know there's there's different reasons for that you know the helmets being involved people are tend to tend to drive more with their heads and stuff different things causing more con more head collision concussions but actually women's soccer is one of the highest yeah. sports one of the yeah. highest injury sports Mm -hmm. in period yeah it's women's soccer yeah isn't that something yeah so yeah i'm a big believer in there and people should work their necks absolutely okay so we have a like a 10 question blitz that we give everybody that we ask uh, okay. on so here we go um first question what motivates you to compete actually don't so much compete anymore but uh when i did i actually didn't like competing that much because i, I kind of have get anxiety and things like that am i supposed to rapid fire these or no, that's fine okay um it, it's because it's kind of like you're you, you always have the guy oh i can bench press this or i know so someone that can bench press this. it's always a gym lift you really don't and really to legitimize your lift is it to me is, is get it on paper Get it when getting on paper to me means in a contest where it becomes legit. You know, you're not just one of those people that just talks. Oh, you bench this or you no, you've you've done it in under you know conditions of being judged under following you know rules. So it, to me, the in order for the lift to mean something to me, um, it was it was so it was about the contest and doing it in a contest and but i i'm a, i love setting goals you're going to find that with me it's about setting goals and i love training for a contest the contest itself pretty much would wreck me because it was just like anxiety and and, and all that but but training for it i just love the the camaraderie of the workout partners the goal setting how and and you you know you set your goals kind of high but yet reachable because if it's too high you're going to fail all the time right. but and then but figure out a plan now how am i going to reach these goals you know so to me that was the most fun about fun thing about competitions awesome okay what do you consider one of your greatest athletic achievements kind of it, it depends on different uh, reaching those goals like in powerlifting i had my powerlifting goals and you know as it was as a 181 pounder i squatted 600 um right after a couple of days after my 21st birthday so to me that was a big thing that was a big goal i had set and then as i went up in weight class it became to bench 500 well then once i did that it was the bench 550 and then i finally it, but i mean it literally took years between each goal to finally achieve those so each one with what went behind that and that all the training and, and and hitting a couple contests and not getting it and then finally getting it was such monumental and um, the 551 bench i did to me means so much it's my my email address todd551 but 
Well, I would say that if, you know, then winning the tag team title belts on, on Portland wrestling, but some on TV, it's, it, it could be that, but then some people might say, well, that's not really an athletic achievement, you know, cause it's, you know, predetermined. I mean, well, okay. We won't count that then. Um, but we count the, that. Yeah. A lot of work goes into that. Yeah. Good Lord. I know. And, and, and just, you have to be good enough or, 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 your character desire enough for them to want to have you represent the belts for a certain yeah. amount of time. So it, it, it still means something, you know? Um, but I would say give the long winded answer. I just gave you probably my retirement contest in powerlifting. Cause I'm, I knew it was going to be my last contest and I'd done a 551 bench press at, at weighing 269. And I thought, what do I do now? I've reached the goals in powerlifting, but I'm, am I done competing? I thought, well, should I go for a 600 bench or should should I drop down and go for a 500 bench in the lighter weight class? I thought, well, at this point, I'm at that point, I was in 19, that was 1994. I was single. And I'm like, you know, I need to kind of maybe trim up a little bit and and and, and uh, look a little better. And so I'm thinking the, the going down a weight class to do the 500 bench was what I what I decided to do. And what was so neat about that for me, I knew it was gonna be my last contest because you know at that point I'd kind of had to search for that goal and I felt like I did everything I wanted. I had 14 years in power feeding had gone by at this point. So I'm like, I so I set the goal of doing 500 because the first time I ever did 500 bench press in a contest was um, I weighed 262. So I thought if I could go down to the 242 pound, that shows I've gotten stronger overall and everything. Do So I, I did, I over-dieted, weighed 233, did the 501 bench, it was kilos. Um, but then I, I won the contest on top of that and then beat a local legend, powerlifting legend at that time. So what a way to go out. I got yeah. to go out on a high note and I felt like I'd reached all my goals and I could walk away from that sport. So to me, that was a really neat feeling of being able to go out on a, on a nice note of a sport of something you competed at for so many years, you know? Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Um, so on the opposite end, what's your greatest blunder or injury? Oh, dude, I've had a lot of different injuries. That's for sure. Cause unfortunately when I was small framed growing up, so to put on weight for powerlifting and stuff like that, um, it took a long time and took a long time. I, I wouldn't set my goals low. So, um, even though we're, there's, let's take the 500, 550 bench thing. Yeah, you might hear there's a lot of people benching 550 now, but this is 1994 and that bench was ranked number 17 in the United States in Power from USA Magazine. So just to make the top 100 list, you were doing good. So that took a long time for me to get to. So all my goals seemed to take a pretty long time. So by the time I got into wrestling, I, I started getting pretty you know old. You know, I was you know, in my late 30s or you know early 40s by the time i'm on portland wrestling so at that point my body's getting pretty beat up but my one of my worst injuries i've had a pec tear reattachment and i did a strongman contest and had you know and a keg load tore my bicep still went on and finished the contest doing a truck pull and everything else though but but yeah i had to have that reattached so that was frustrating but probably my worst injury would would be one that I had in July of 2019 because it had been a decade since I'd done any wrestling and, a, and a, there was an organization that was going to have me back and Billy Jack Haynes um, was going to be the feature guest on this particular card and they were going to have the Billy Jack Haynes Battle Royal. Um, I was invited after not 
ever being around pro wrestling for a decade at that point, invited to be in part of this battle royal. So I'm like, oh, okay, battle royal, I can manage that at my old age. I'm in my 50s, you know, yeah. 56 then. I'm 58 now, so this is 2019. And um, so I started training for the for the show and and, and I was going to be the one that went over in the battle royal. So, and Billy, since we're friends, he was going to come congratulate me. So how it was going to go was it, we're on the last training session for the show. So a week before the show, everything's going good. Had the finish planned out and everything else. And so we're going over it in practice the week before. And so the finish was Billy Jack Haynes was known for his full Nelson. Um, he, he, matter of fact, in WrestleMania three, he wrestled a full Nelson match with, Hercules Hernandez um so it, it, that's how famous he was for this full Nelson and I was gonna as a tribute to him and because that was kind of my finish anyway was that was the full Nelson so I was we're going over the last three guys we get rid of one guy the last the third guy in the out of 15 that started the battle royal now we're down to two me and another guy and I'm exhausted at this point so he's you know, I'm playing up the being exhausted, which wasn't hard. <laughs> so this, and he was a big guy. He's throwing me around, throwing me into the turnbuckles, um, come and grab me, throwing me into the other one. And then the last one, he was going to, he threw me in a turnbuckle. He was going to run at me, come in for a big splash. Well, that one is, I moved, went around and he hit the turnbuckle. He came back out and I grabbed him, got him in a full Nelson. Again, we're, this is how the match was going to go. But then, um, it, this is a week before we're practicing it. And I was going to full Nelson him, throw, throw him over the top and win the battle royal. Well, in practice, I'm jerking him around. Well, he stepped on my, with all his weight, on my foot and fell back on me. My foot was planted. My uh, quad tendon completely ruptured. Oh. Um, yeah, it was brutal. I had to be carried out. It sucked. Um, carried out of there, taken to the hospital, and they did surgery on it. I was laid up for quite a while, a couple months. But so that opportunity was gone. So very long-winded story, but that would be my most disappointment in, in all sports stuff for me. Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. So uh, what is one of your current major athletic goals and or like what do you still want to do? Any contests you want to put on or um, anything you're striving for still? Yeah, I mean, I... I, I I have my different goals now that I'm older. I always am doing my goals. And right now I'm, I'm hosting a run. It's based on David Goggins. I don't know if you heard of him. He's a real motivational ex-Navy SEAL guy. I wrote a book. Um, he's do, He has people do a, a run that's four, four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Well, I cut that down for people like myself who just need to get back in shape because of COVID and stuff. So I'm putting that together now. It's one mile every four hours for 24 hours. So I'm kind of doing more stuff like that. Um, I, I want to do that 20th anniversary Rolling Thunder thing. It would be fun to host again. And maybe something if they were allowed to have car shows this year, do something at the car show again. Um, but other than that, you know, I have my website, I, I have a book out. Um, so it's, it's a lot of more, and I just started my own podcast too. Um, yesterday was my first episode. So it's, it's kind of, kind of geared more towards my goals of being, you know, doing, putting more effort into that rather than ever competing or anything again. 
But I just love goals, man. That'd be tough to do an hour every four hours or 24 hours. Yeah, because I'm so so into the mental stuff. And to me, because anyone can say, well, I can run a mile, or not anyone, but a lot of people can say, I can run a mile, but yet, but yet, can you do it? Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's what a neat mental challenge, you know, and and, uh, I've got a good handful of people on board, and we're talking about maybe if we can do it all, because you have a two week time frame to do this, but you have to pick your 24 hour block to do it in that. So that way, if a lot of people can't do it on a certain day, then they still have opportunities. But we're talking about- idea, I like that. Yeah, just something different, you know? But seeing guys like you put on contests and stuff like this and keeping things going, makes me feel kind of proud because it's like, wow, I kind of started grip stuff in the Northwest and, and I don't want it to die just because, you know, I'm not as involved in it as I used to be. So, I mean, the, the, the interest is out there. It's just, if you guys yeah. can, can. Yeah, with obstacle course racing, picking up, um, there's so much transferable skill from grip into obstacle course racing. And while those guys' races are down, they figured, you know, let's invite those guys over here and see what they can do with grip. And some of them have done some amazing things. We had a gal from obstacle course racing set the world record on the flask. So, I mean, that's, you know, fantastic stuff. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I think one reason that the grip records and stuff have gone up so much is because of guys like rock in the lighter weight classes is because of guys like rock climbers and stuff like that have started yeah. kind of doing, doing stuff with grip. And it's like, wow, those guys are just freaking incredible, man. They're always the lighter weight guys. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, the, Heavier weight guys tend to be the guys with the big hands, uh, you know, Mark Felix and the <laughs> crazy <laughs> hands. You know? I don't want to compete in this way. Those guys aren't even fair. They're like. Yeah, when, when we went over to that Beauty and the Beat contest and the Rolling Thunder and everything, the, the contest, my ex-wife, Julia Velka, she won the women's part of the contest and Magnus Samuelson won the men's. So it was cool. They had a photo shoot. But, he is Phil Fister was there too, and, and yeah, of course, we all had the grippers out. And you know, Magnus Samuelson is known for closing the four, yeah. Like, good lord, and these guys, their hands are just huge. Got a picture, my ex wife wrote a book on strong women and grip training and all that in there. And um, she uh has a picture in the book with her holding her hand up with against Phil Fister's hand, you know, it's pretty cool. That's pretty and, awesome. Um, so what are some lifestyle habits that you subscribe to that help people get in healthy and fit? You know, I've, 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 I'm a heart, heart attack survivor myself, actually. Um, our and father so, well. what's that? He said our father is as well. Yeah, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I had quintuple bypass surgery in 2000, 2009. Um, but c- saying that if COVID's had me and, and the, getting injured in 2019 with the, in the wrestling and I was laid up for a while after that. And then, so in right after 220, right when I just kind of started getting back in training again, um, with the weights, you know, COVID hit, then the gym shut down. I don't have really space here at home to have, you know, a lot of equipment. So I got my, I got a little more heavier and I just had my annual blood work done and there's some things I need to work on. So I'm really gearing more now. My goal right now is to get my, um, you know, my blood sugar level and stuff like that. All it's, they're just right over the, the range, but I like, I don't like anything in the bad range. So I'm, I'm working on that. And so it's doing a lot more, you know, it's doing some running stuff and I'm really focusing, you know, I, I'm, I want to get back to being at least kind of strong at the grippers again. So I'm doing that. Um, the only 
grip work I'm doing right now, which I'm totally happy with, is like today on my workout, one day a week, I do the gripper work, um, try to try to get the strength back on those. And then my back day, I do a lot of um, work with the fat, the fat grips. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another day later in the week, I do, oh, and I'll do like plate holds for time and stuff, you know, or you just stand there with a pair of 45s in each hand. Um, and then... Yeah, we don't stand there with a pair of 45s in each hand, but, you know. Oh, you know what? It's for time. So, you know. You, We're not quite to lifting one, one hand pinching 245s. That's awesome. Man, yeah. That's crazy. The, um, I don't know. And, and then I have a day where I do nothing but forearms and then, and then do some cardio. But and then my neck work is all thrown in there, too. So I'm really focusing on those things that I talked about. Um, my goal now is to get better at the things that I really believe, you know, like we talked about earlier, the neck grip, core cardio, and, and the mental stuff. So the training I do now is really kind of surrounded by that. Yes, I still do work my chest. Yes, sort of, but my core workouts are that, and that's where my goals are at right now. Drop a little bit of weight and get healthier again. Absolutely. I might, uh, you do that one mile for 24 hours. In a couple of months, I might train for it and join you guys. You know what? I'll, I'll send you the whole information pack. It's all email and it's, it's, it's virtual, but but any of us that want to get together can get together, but it's a virtual run. So um, I'll send you guys, I'll email you the whole packet and you know, God, I'd love to have you guys involved and another, it'd be a good way to promote, you know, your, your stuff too. And I'll do anything I can to promote. I've ran a half marathon back in 2014 to celebrate kind of weight loss when I, Dropped about 50 pounds. I decided to go over to a uh, Long Beach and run the Discovery Trail half marathon. Wow! And that was yeah. It was Congratulations! It turned, it turned out to be like 70 degrees and uh, no wind at Long Beach, mm-hmm. and you're literally running on a trail right on the beach, yeah. and there's no buildings, nothing. It was the worst weather ever. It was so hot. The real feel was like 85 that day. Wow. But, uh, I think I went through my whole camo pack of water and then more, but finished anyways. It was great. When you started your weight loss journey, what was your body weight? Uh, I think I was 285, and I dropped down to 235. So you were still 235 when you ran the half marathon, though. Yeah. Now I'm wow. back up to 280 training strongman, so. Wow. But I have a lot yeah. more muscle than I did when I was 285 the first time. Right, of course. Yeah. Dang, that's awesome, dude. Congratulations. So I'd, I'd, I'd be down to do a mile every four hours for 24 hours. Ah, yeah, I'd love to have you guys do it just in, just as a promotion for your thing. It'd be cool. Which one of you two are the is the wrestler? Did some wrestling or something. Is it wrestling or martial arts? Uh, we both, we both MMA, do. Yeah. He, does, uh, okay. he does more competition in MMA than I do, but I've trained in martial arts for a long time too. So, Well, cool. Tell me about your neck training for martial arts and stuff. I'm always interested in that. Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of harness training primarily, like you said. We do a lot of uh, slow movement, so we take the slack out and then slowly, you know, dip and raise the head with the, the neck harness is a big focus of our training with that. And and then, of course, shoulder shrugs, because you want to build traps a little bit just to be able to hold your neck from whipping back a little bit or hitting it on the mat so hard. Yeah. That's just you do bridges um, on your head and roll your head back and forth and, you know, work the mobility, stretch the mobility that way with some weight on it. I'm sure you've seen, you know, lighter weight boxers do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's most of the neck training that we do is just geared around just basic fighter neck training. 
one of the best necks talking about um, MMA, one of the best developed necks I've ever seen th that looks good, not just stupidly developed. Um, a fighter named Mark Kerr. Have you guys heard of Mark Kerr? Yeah. 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 Oh, dude, his traps and neck were amazing. I actually had the opportunity um, over the internet to talk with him and get his full like routine of what he did for neck and everything. He does do a lot of the bridges and I'm not with my body weight. I'm 240-ish right now. With my body weight and and lack of mobility in my neck just from being older and stuff like that it's it's and not doing a lot of stretching and everything over the years it, it's too tough for me to do bridges and, and stuff like that and it's too hard on my cervical spine but yeah when you have that kind of mobility that's that's great to be able to yeah absolutely pull that off we agree 100 percent how important neck training really is just because what yeah. we've done and experience yeah. and so what do you guys do for for the front of your neck then the front the front of it yeah i'd like to learn more of okay <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of the guys are talking i know it's not like the back in the old days the gyms we had access to like the four-way neck machines you remember yeah, yeah. okay Absolutely. And, uh, the, you don't but now it's yeah in my book i talk about you know because i taught was taught this you know a lot of people like to put a plate on their head um, I always folded up a towel and laid on a bench and did a dumbbell and it works it really well. Okay. So, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of things and it's kind of like grip. You get to be creative and, and some of the neck work you do, you know, with bands and everything else these days. I was, was going to say, I know the harness helps a little bit with the front of your neck, but doesn't really target it completely. Yeah, it, it, it's tough because you can hook it up to a cable machine or something, but it, I don't know. It just it doesn't have the right feel to it to me. At least for me, it didn't. Anyway. Exactly. So uh, what training methods or techniques have you stumbled upon that have significantly increased your performance compared to conventional methods? <sighs> Any unique things you've found uh, in the gym or in your workouts that are, you know, might not be so conventional or just a little <sighs> Kind of just what we were talking about, the neck harness. <laughs> People look at me in the gym. They, well, they know me kind of as the, the neck guy now. But but when when people aren't used to seeing – because, I mean, I hook it up to cable machine. I have my big, heavy-duty Warren Tedding neck harness that I – with the thick chains or that I, I do my – I put it on a, a uh, loading pin, load plates on, do it that way. But I also have my lighter one where I, I hook it on cable machines and stuff. And people just look at me like I'm crazy because no one does neck work, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, But but a lot of – a good amount of people have come up and have expressed an interest, so it's pretty cool. But I would say, you know, and grip training is going to be right in there too as, as far as unconventional. Like if you go to a regular gym and start doing grip training um, – but I would say my neck training is, is the most unconventional of what people, you know – aren't used to seeing yeah we have the bigger chain harness that we have free weights for our neck harness so wow where where'd you guys get it because there isn't uh, there's not a neck harness out now that i would endorse myself um like, like i said warren tedding died and he only made a few of these the old neck harnesses like i have but um i'm curious it's just a standard one with strap goes over your head under your chin and around your head as a chain yeah okay and and I, I, you know what? I think I have, might have that brand of one. Yeah. That, the only thing I don't like about that one, and you correct me if I'm wrong as far as you guys are concerned, is how the, the um, D hooks are right there by your ears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I, gosh, I, I mean, I could easily run and get my other one real quick, but it would take me a minute. And I don't know if you could yeah, we'll put a beanie on or something like that to protect your ears. Exactly. I, I put yeah. a towel over my head typically. 
um, yeah. and do it. But Other yeah, than that, I mean, I think that brand works pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Hoodie or something, beanie, something to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with targeting the front, I think the bridges, you know, in the right position, target the front some. But uh, actually, you're uh, right; they would. And since I didn't do bridges, that wasn't my go-to. My thought didn't automatically go to that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, the sides also equal with, the, you know, the yeah, absolutely, because you're moving yeah. in that direction. Yeah. So, um, if you could start your training over again now with the knowledge you have today, what would you do different? Why? I would eat healthier because in in Back in the day, in the 80s is when I did a lot of, what you know, 81 through 95. But the 80s were, it was a different era, man. It was it was all about, when you, if you're trying to bulk up, it's just about food. I mean, nowadays they count macros and micros and all this stuff. But back in the day, all we count is calories and protein. How much, you know, is it full, does it have a lot of calories? Yes. Does it have a lot of protein? Yes. Then we're eating it, you know? And so I would eat, I would, a day. You know that whole oh thing. man, I'm just force feeding where the, the belly's always full, you know? Yeah. And when you finish a meal, you're drinking a quart of milk down with it, you know, of, of, of high percent, like 5% milk, Safeway sold to 5% back then. And, and so it's, it, and making, and protein back then, I mean, anyone that complains about their protein shakes to this day, you want to give them the finger because they don't have a clue how bad it tasted back in the 80s. And then it didn't digest well with you back then. Um, low quality products, you know. And so what would I change? I would change my my way of eating and, and attempt to eat healthier and do it a more healthier way through that so so i think i have an idea but uh what is the most important piece in your home gym and why oh <laughs> uh, so i don't really have too much of a home but that my most precious item is that neck harness because it's so valuable for many reasons number one you absolutely cannot get it anymore and i bought it from warren tedding himself in his shop in minnesota and he's long since passed away. Um, and th there's just isn't any, I mean, I've been on message board, grip boards, people that would know who Warren Tedding is mm -hmm. and, and, and no one has a clue about the neck because he would really, he only, he, it was just a side thing for him, for him. He'd make them and he'd have maybe one for sale in the shop. And if that's, if that sold, he'd, you know, but it was more popular in Minnesota with the guys there. Cause you know, the Minnesota Vikings football team was there and they, they were real big during that era. And, yeah. and um, and I went and trained with some professional wrestler friends of mine there. And he's the one that brought me there. And it, he has his, I have mine. And dude, I there, I have yet to ever see another one of those Nick harnesses exist anymore. And I just think it's such a rare thing um, that it would never be able to be replaced. And so, yeah, that's my most, I won't, like if I, the one day I take it to the gym to use it, I won't stop at the store or anything on the way home in fear my gym, someone breaks into my car and steals yeah. my gym. I can't wait to almost get it back home. Because I kind of collect neck harnesses. And one harness I don't have, which is probably the one of the worst ones out there, is one of the old, Leprinzi's, a gym called Leprinzi's Gym, which is an iconic gym here in Portland. Um, and actually known worldwide. It has one of the uh, uh, York neck harness. You see them in some of the old York ads um from the 1940s it's there but oh if you were to even attempt the chain is so flimsy and and even the material would just because it's so old would just yeah. turn to dust if you used it but it, what a neat thing that would be to have in my collection i don't have an old north uh, york neck harness but yeah uh in minnesota back then is that when the vikings were the purple people eaters i didn't the funny part is i didn't fall i was 
follow professional wrestling so much. And, yeah. and so going back so many professional wrestlers that you would have heard of to, you know, maybe if you're a little older, you would have heard like the road warriors. I mean, they all started. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. The warlord. Um, here's one of you guys, you guys, I grew up watching it. So, uh, okay, good. So the warlord, all the Tom, Tom Zink, who I went to his house, you know, Scott, this guy, Scott Doring, who was a professional wrestler. He was a good friend of mine. That's why I was back there visiting. Um, Scott Norton, he was the, an arm wrestler guy in the movie Over the Top with Stallone. I mean, all these guys are in my book. I meant to, I talk about them being the Minnesota um, mass monsters because they're yeah. just huge, huge human beings over there. It's weird. I mean, even if these guys never lifted weights, they'd be big, you know. And and so I see like big bodybuilder guys all jacked up on the on, on the juice and everything at the gym I train at, but as big as they are they're not genetically humongous monsters like these guys that i saw in minnesota and would have been like who was who played for the vikings and stuff back then you know we went to a gym there doesn't exist now um called viking viking the viking gym you know because it was so popular the vikings are so popular there and my god i mean it was the first gym i had ever walked into this would have been back in 1980 88 and first gym I ever saw, they had an arm wrestling table and they specialized in that. I mean, almost like they were ahead of their time for what we are here. Yeah. I mean, you see that maybe now, but not back then, you know? So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, what advice do you have for the average person trying to get fit and healthy? To start, depending on where they're at, to set a goal, to have a, a goal that they come up with. And, as they're going along with that goal to to do the mind mental work you know as much as and when i say mental i, mean, I talk for me visualization writing your stuff down so you see your goals you don't just set a goal oh i'd like to be this and uh, and then think and, and your goal has to be narrowed down you can have your bigger goal but you have to have the little ones that, that lead you up to your big ones um otherwise you know most people that don't have the smaller goals to hit along the way will will get frustrated and fail and and because they quit um i don't know what all it took for you when you lost your weight um i'm sure it was a process and you oh, yeah. had, your, had your battle plan on how you're gonna win that war of, of getting your body weight down yeah. but yeah to, to work and bill kazmaier i know you guys have heard of him oh, yeah. he he was um fairly recently asked what's the biggest thing missing in in today with today's lifters he said the mental part of it there's too many distractions you see them on their phones you see them messing around too much and and um and not doing the visualization because they don't take time for it and and he goes that's the biggest thing missing in today's today's lifting i mean i remember in the day man um on the way to the gym even i knew what i had to lift that what i was going to lift that day and Man, I crank up the music in my car. There's no cell phones and stuff. You weren't getting distracted by phone calls or text messages and things like that. You're, you know, I drinking my my uh, Coca Cola or whatever it was at the time. I was drinking a cup of coffee on the way to the gym as I'm driving, listening to the music. Just amped. By the time I got to the gym, man, I, I was just like opening a cage. That car door is like opening a cage and letting the animal loose to go in and work out because it, it was in my mind so hard. Nowadays, there's People are just nonchalantly walking in the gym. Oh, well, what am I going to do today? You know, and you got to gotta have that plan. You got to, I was pretty fortunate in the old days to, 
to come across one individual in particular who's actually got a book out on mental training and um, sit, to be able to have a sit down conversation with him thinking I was going to get a whole written up routine on on powerlifting and that he really mostly talked about the mind and that's just, it just set me in the right direction. Yeah, that's huge. That's some great advice for sure. Thanks. Yeah. You see it all the time. Just people. It's, I think I'll do this. Maybe I'll try that. Yeah. And it's not a strategic plan on how to get to where they want to go anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, this one big name lifter, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. He, he, he would ask coaches and, and athletes, he would say, you know what, how, in your, in your mind, what do you feel is, how, how important do you feel it is to do, does the mental preparation play in, in your, in your uh, training? And they'd usually put say a pretty high percentage, and he'd say, "Well, how how much time do you spend with in your workouts and doing the physical part?" And of course, it'd be you know eight hours a week or ten hours or twelve hours a week in the gym. He goes, "Okay, you put the mental part of your uh, of what you consider being a champion or want to be a champion um, is a pretty high percentage. What? How much time do you spend doing that?" doing any visualization and it was just just virtually nothing you know so if you rank something so high and you realize it's so important in in being a champion um having the right mental attitude and 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 mindset why is it so low in your weekly training you know so. i mean not only in training but i think that helps in so many different aspects of your life in general Man, it's like it's like the things I talk about—the neck grip, core cardio, and and, and mental. Um, and he mentioned feet. Even think about those things. Those are all things you can work in the gym that are going to help you out outside of the gym. You know, where you know working your chest. I mean, it's going to look pretty out. You know, when you take your shirt off in in, in the summertime, but how function functional is that really? You know what I mean? That's just your beach muscle. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, the trainers that would argue, um, well, you got to be careful. Work. I don't. I don't have any my people doing their neck work. That's just too dated. Well, you know, you, but you, you have them doing their core work. You know, you work your core to protect your back. Why don't you work your neck to protect your brain? To, uh, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In real life, our arms and legs they get work. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. they're doing stuff that gets work. Your core, your neck, like you said, I mean, you got to hit those things in order to have that high quality of life. I agree 100%. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we really appreciate you being on our channel. That's awesome. And uh, we definitely want to collaborate with you more. Um, sounds like you got some great advice on just hosting events and maybe we get together and do one of our own together and see what we can do for the community and things like that. So we definitely want to talk later about that for sure. Yeah, you guys are the up and comers as far as, as as grip promotion. I feel in the in the northwest here because no one's really doing much right now. And and I, dude, any, if you guys need, um, I wouldn't say help because you guys have your own road you travel on yourself. But um, if you want me to help you social media wise or anything like that, whole that, channel is a networking thing. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Anything else you wanted to add or? Uh, let the fans know it's important. Any no, I mean, I have a website and I wrote a book, but I have a website. Everything's on there from, you know, talks about my podcast and, and, and my, uh, my book and, and all that. It's trapauthority.com. Yeah. So if anyone's interested to 
visit shoot it. me an email. I love talking about lifting. So anyone wants to just shoot me an email, just, just talk about neck or grip or whatever. Um, but yeah, I want to definitely, um, I'll sit, email you guys some pictures and some stuff. Yeah. That 20th anniversary Rolling Thunder thing, it really is in my head. And I'd love to talk with you guys more about including that. And absolutely. Yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. We need something good, to, you know, good and exciting to happen as we come out of this pandemic. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Keep, please keep doing what you're doing and don't, don't lose that fire, man. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for all you do. So we yeah. took our little golden potatoes that we that we made and put them in the UK, and we have a UK ambassador over there, and we got a leaderboard going over there soon. So we're just over the moon excited about that. And I saw that. Yeah, I saw that uh, on our last show. We're gonna keep going for sure. Yeah, I definitely tell anybody and recommend definitely buy your book because thank you. Work is so so important. Um, the holes of your brain yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i appreciate that thank you guys i mean like you're saying you never know when you're going to get in a car accident or something might happen and yeah. to have that one aspect just be a huge advantage in your corner because you took the time to train your neck and it might save right. life someday who knows right right well thank you guys it was it was a, an honor to be on your show and, and um I, I definitely since we're all northwest people let's stay in touch man absolutely yeah Okay. Something together soon for sure. Yeah. You'll have to come over to the garage and check it out sometime too. So love to. Love yeah. to. I claim a rock in your name. Yeah. Nah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I want you guys to sign sign one of those potatoes for me. We will. We will. We'll send you a set of potatoes here soon. Yeah, because I actually, real, real quick, I actually collect things. Like my my ex-wife is the first woman in the Northwest to bench 300 pounds officially in a competition. And even though she's my ex, I bought that bench press and had her sign it. And it's in my living room. Then up here, I don't know if you guys can see it, but this is a, a pair of uh, grippers from Jesse. It's one out of Jesse Morunde's collection. His, oh, his, wow. wife, cool. yeah, his wife gave it to me because she knew how much, you know, I wanted to kind of keep his name going on stuff. And yeah. she... And she's married to Nick Best now, the strongest. So that's that's who. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, Callie. Callie. Yeah, yeah. She was married to Jesse first, and then when he passed away, um, she later met Nick, and is Callie Best now, not Callie. Yeah. Mark, yeah. Really neat gal. And like I said, she. Yeah, um, she seems pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, my point of bringing that all up was if to get one of your guys. Uh, potatoes to sign would be neat in my my northwest collection of stuff so yeah, we'll get you a set and we'll uh, sign them up for you and send them your way for sure thank you thank you thanks guys absolutely cool. all right we'll, we'll talk to you enjoy the rest of your evening okay bye